thank you all for coming today. Um, so I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about my research in acoustic communication in marine mammals. Um, specifically, I study baleen whales, large whales, um, and my friends always ask me if I study the mystical land whale of Pennsylvania, um, being here at Penn State. Um, but most of my work takes place in other parts of the country. Um, so today I'm going to give you sort of a synopsis of what I do, but I want to ask you if you have any questions at any time, just interrupt. I mean, it, it's fine to ask questions at any point, and I'll stop throughout the talk um, to see if you have any questions about particular sections as I'm going along. So first, what makes an animal a marine mammal? Um, you might all have a pretty good idea of what you think a marine mammal is. Most people say dolphin or a seal or whale. hundred feet and it's the largest animal ever to live on the planet um, and you can go down to the toothed whales or the odonocetes and this is where you would have the dolphin or the killer whale that you might be familiar with from aquarium and is whoop, uh, so if you can see this tiny little speck down on the bottom and I'm sure in the back you can't see it at all but it's you know this big um, is the bottlenose dolphin which is slightly larger than a human being um, so today I'm going to focus on the baleen whales, or these mysticete filter-feeding whales. And there's a, a reason that I'm going to focus on them. One, I study them. Um, but also because these animals communicate in the low-frequency range. And so this is a population that is likely to be more impacted by noise in the environment. So there are a number of conservation concerns with marine mammals. And so I want to sort of be clear up front that noise is not the worst thing that's happening to marine mammals in the environment. And sorry for the pictures. It's lunchtime, I know. Um, there's still whaling going on. So there's direct hunting of whales um, around the world from different nations. There's fishery interactions. And by this, I mean animals that are killed or injured through inadvertent interactions with human fisheries. And so for one well-known example is the tuna dolphin conflict, where fishermen will set nets around schools of dolphin that are feeding on the same thing the tuna are feeding in, and the, whale, uh, the dolphins can be killed accidentally um, in the fishing process. Something that I'm more involved with is this type of issue. Um, it's hard to see here, but this whale has a rope wrapped around its head, and so it was caught in a rope that was used for pots for lobsters, and so the rope got wrapped around its head, and this whale actually eventually died from the infection. It's sort of like getting cut to death by dental floss. Um, there's also a problem with vessel collisions. Whales are large. They're in the ocean. There, lots of them are coastal. And there are lots of ships. And so the whales don't necessarily know to get out of the way of ships. And so you can end up in situations here. This was a right whale calf off the coast of North Carolina that got hit by a large ship. On top of all of this, there's also marine pollution. And this is really where acoustics falls and the effects of noise. So people talk about um, marine debris. You might have heard a lot in the press about these huge floating rafts of plastic out in the ocean. There's also chemical pollution, so all the effluent, all the wastewater treatment, chemicals that haven't been taken out can get sent directly into the ocean. And the thing that really I'm going to focus on is acoustic pollution today. 
And this is one of the things that we know humans are introducing to the environment. This is not a question of climate change. This is human activities are generating noise that are changing the marine environment around the globe. So why study marine bioacoustics? It's sort of a kind of an obscure topic. And again, something to study in Pennsylvania. It's a little, little odd. I actually started doing this research in central New York, so it's not like I lived by the ocean. Um, whales live solitary lives, and they have limited visibility in prey resources that are widely distributed. And so to highlight this, this is a picture of a right whale. In the North Atlantic, when I, where I do my research, visibility in the summer can be limited to two to three meters. This is due to phytoplankton and zooplankton in the water column that's sort of blocking the light absorption, so the whales can't really see very far. And in this example, this circle here is showing the range that this whale could see. So it can't actually see its own flipper, let alone its tail. Acoustically, though, sound propagates much more efficiently underwater than it does in air. It's four and a half, about four and a half times faster underwater. And this whale can sense acoustically tens to potentially hundreds of kilometers away using sound. And so if you think of the way you, you go in your daily life and you're noticing things visually, whales have a different perspective. They notice things acoustically first. They can use vision, but they probably use it as backup the same way we do sound. Whales make sounds for a variety of reasons. Um, they, the sort of obvious ones and the sort of most important ones are staying in contact with their offspring. So if they have a baby in the ocean and the mother swims away to feed, she needs to relocate her, her offspring and she can't see it. And so they use sound to maintain these contacts. Additionally, they have evolved to use some species, particularly the odontocetes or toothed whales like dolphins and killer whales, have evolved to use sound to echolocate to find their prey. They can't see their prey. And these species can actually use sound to detect the echoes to determine where their prey is in the water column. So they need the sound to eat. And finally, they need to find and select mates. This is an important uh, aspect for uh, survival of a species. And marine mammals and whales use these sounds to mediate these interactions. So I just wanted to play a few clips so you can hear the diversity of sounds made by baleen whales. The first are sounds from humpback whales. Um, you may be familiar with song by, produced by humpback whales. Um, this was sort of popularized in the 70s with a number of sort of CDs and musical tracks. But humpback whales make a variety of sounds. Um, and so if we could just play the first clip on the left. So those are some social sounds of a feeding humpback whale recorded on Stellagen Bank off the coast of Boston. So you might not expect a 45-foot whale to sound like that. They sound a little bit more like pigs. Um, fin whales, on the other hand, this is the second largest whale species. If you could play the third sound from the left to the right of the 10x. So the, the sort of trilling that you heard was actually the sound of a fin whale sped up 10 times. So they produce sounds below what is audible to humans. And so the only way you can hear their sounds is if you speed it up, which makes them sound more like birds. But um, these are sound spectrograms. And I'm going to be talking um, a little bit on, on these later. All these are visual representations of sound. And so these are like a musical score. So you have time on the x-axis. So if you read from left to right, it's going through time. And on the y-axis here, it's the frequency. So higher up on the axis is a higher pitch sound. So if you compare this humpback whale sound that was four seconds long, the fin whale sound in this picture is 400 seconds long. And so there's really big differences in the time scale of communication for the different species. 
Right, so with the 10x, it actually speeds it up, so it, it was up to 200 hertz instead of 20 hertz. Yeah, yep. So you can't really hear it, and it really doesn't project well if you play it in the normal. It would make the room shake. <laughs> so, um, so the last examples I want to play are from the bowhead whale, which is an Arctic species. And these are really fascinating. They produce songs, and every year their songs are completely different. So we'll play three clips. The first is the song from 1985. This is a bowhead whale, it's a different species. And then the second clip was from 1988. This is the same species, and it's a completely different sound every year. And the final one from 2000. This one's my favorite. There's a lot of diversity in sounds produced by marine mammals, and that's just to give you a sampling of what's out there. So why should you care about sound? Oh, yep, go ahead. Can I? Is that the same group of whales? Was that the same group of whales? The same population in the same, same pod or yeah. whatever. Well, bowhead whales aren't like the toothed whales. They don't travel in pods. Oh, So okay. it, the whole species will migrate past a particular point, but they all sing the same song. Okay. within the population in a given year. Okay. So everybody changes every year. Okay, so. thank There's you. There's another question in the back. My question okay, is and just a reminder to everyone, I'm on this side of the room and Chris is on the other side, and we'll take questions by uh, hands and try to get to everyone. Who had a question over here? Right here. You said the um, whales use the acoustic to find their prey, but I thought these whales were filter feeders and plankton eaters. Sorry, if I wasn't clear about that, the toothed whales, the odonocetes, use echolocation or sound for prey. The toothed whales, we don't know how they find their food. I mean, sorry, the baleen whales um, that I'm talking about and was playing those sounds for, we don't know how they find their food in the environment. There are some indications that actually some of these baleen whale species also make some echolocation-type signals, but that's sort of a, a new area of research. Chris, how about on your side of the room? Anybody? Oh, you do. All right. Okay. And we have a question here. Oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned that the song of an entire species changes from year to year. What causes that, and what is it in reference to? So, again, people have been studying whale song for about 40 years, and they don't really have a good idea of why it's changing. There are a lot of hypotheses that people have tested. Um, they believe the song is like bird song, that it functions for males to attract mates though in most of the species they've never actually seen a singer attract a female and mate with her. So that, after 40 years, is a little, a little um, still in question. But the, the changing of the song year to year, they think it's related to mate's choice and selection, that if you're a good male, you can learn the song that everyone else is singing and you can reproduce all these different songs every year. Um, and so they think it shows an, an adaptability or an ability to learn new sound. But again, people are still actively trying to figure out
sense of what's going on. Yeah, and I, I will talk a little bit about that next. Um, the next section I'll talk about is my research with right whales. Um, right whales are a highly endangered. And so that one.
Hill and the Bay of Fundy, and they produce these.
So the North Atlantic So I don't know if you can hear
to, uh, raises the question, how is uh, this research coordinated? Is it strictly academic? Are nonprofits involved, governments? Are there groups antagonistic to the, ideal of, uh, to the idea of whale research? Uh, yes. It, 